and leet and leet and leet and leet and leet. Go away. Come on, come on. Fish mods, get off my page. Yeah. Yeah, I'm live, Liam. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> Go and hide. Where is it? Go, 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 go. Oh no, this stuff's still coming through again. Come on. Oh no. Where's the questions going? Damn, damn. Ah, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, scroll the top. Gary McKeechlin from Gurick. Patrick Wooters from Luxembourg. Da -da -da. Marine Bureau. Annette Grant from Brum. Michael Simmons. Nita Schlaker from Bayern. Andrew Hancock. Alan Johnson. Robert Brooke. Darren Wells. Ian Johnson again. Doug Lowry. From Stormy Edinburgh, Kenny Tate from Dunbar, a windy wet Dunbar. I'll play it, I'll let you hear this in a minute, right? Yeah. Oh, turn the sound off. Damn. Hi from Holland, Bert Vogel. Albert Spickery, hi from Holland. Samantha Little from Maidenhead. Da -da -da. Klaus Schultz, hello to Scotland. Angela Hatwell, Robert Baxter. Carl Lawrence Olsen, Kilkenny Dave, Douglas Young. Teresa from Ayrshire, uh, Teresa Langton, good evening. Jesse and McLeod from Helensborough, Ray Rooks from Baltimore, Maryland. Jacqueline Crichton. Joe Vincent, hi from Joe. Victor is so, so off from Buenos Aires. Peter Van Eshden from Breland, Holland. A lot of Dutch on tonight. Uh, Anthony Craig. Arkudic Kvachkovsky from Sask. <laughs> it's like a game. Skarisko, Kamina, Poland. Andy Wilkinson, evening boss, don't come on the page tonight, Andy. Right. Johnny Cook, Adam Becker, Graham Harlett from Dartford, Mike Freeborn from Belfast, hi Mikey. Fred from Lisa Siobhan, hello, God knocks, hiya. Tom Bombadil, dinner, John Watson, yes. And good evening and welcome to Fish and Friday. <laughs> it's earning your time. Fuck me. <laughs> oh, my vape. Ah, oh, bollocks. Oh. I'll find it during a quiet moment. Um, oh no! It's through here. It's, I've got to go and get it. I can't deal with this. It's like, it gets too much. Take it for a walk around the house again. Uh, now, here we are. Right. This room here used to be kind of one of the main rooms. If you look through there, there's the control room. I've shown you this before. It's, um, and I'm going to go quiet now, right? I'm going to put this up here. I don't know if you can hear it, but listen to the rain. Can you hear that? Yeah. 
Go away. Back in your room. Spiders coming out the door. Originally, this room was all soundproofed and there was a really low ceiling on it. And um, so, go away. So it was a really low ceiling. And, uh, but like I said, it was all soundproofed. And um, what happened was a few years ago, um, when we were converting this in the house, one of the things that the planner said was that there wasn't enough light in this room because all you had was the control room window, which is darkness in there apart from the window at the back. Then there's the kitchen door. <coughs> and there was this, and there was a, a big window there where Liam's room was. But it was classed as secondary light. So I had to, they said that you had to put Veloxes in to get more light. And we decided to just go for it. And the original idea was to just basically take the low ceiling and put like tubes down through the Veloxes. And um, we started to open up Darren. Hello, Darren, if you're watching. Darren came up uh, and Rob and I, the three of us, panelled this place. <laughs> Absolutely panelled it. <laughs> it was mental. It was before Simona moved over. And um, thank God, <laughs> she would have gone mental. Right? And we started going, the, we went out of the ceiling, we just, went, we just kept on going, right? And just went all the way up. And, it, and then we opened the whole thing up and it was like, this is a brilliant room. And so I put the six Veloxes in, which are great. There's two of them are automatic, which means that when the wind comes in for the southwest, there's, 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 Velox, there's a Velox in the, the, the live room, the kind of bit where the TV is, because it's, it's all basically one big room, as you can see, right? A massive room. And this was, this was the studio floor. And um, so we put the Veloxes in, right? And I'm going, this is fantastic. This is great. It's wonderful. And I was sitting here one day and there was a really heavy rain shower, right? Really big, big storm. And it did this. And it said, it, it, I didn't realise, I just created a huge drum skin on the roof. And I realised we weren't going to be able to record here. It's like, there's no way we could record if it, if it rained because it's like the, the mics you know, would pick up loads of sound. So the room would be out of bounds if it was raining. And uh, luckily, we got all the way through Velschmerz and there wasn't any rain. There was no um, incessant drumming noise, but it's, it's fantastic at night. When it, when it actually really slams down, it's just such a brilliant room. And, uh, and I love it. And it's, um, but like I said, this is all the studio. Now you can see. Um, there, that's... Uh, that's where I am nowadays. I've got Prog Magazine next to Grow Your Own Magazine, right? Put the candles on, especially for you. Filled up the oil lamps. Those white sacks, that is my life or part of my life for about four years that I'm, that's got to be shredded, right? Shredding your life. <laughs> and over there, that's, that's kind of where we are with the, 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 the Fish and Friday shots. So um, we've been gradually steering our way through that. Simona's been doing brilliant. She did 276 packages today. And, uh, and it, was, it was, she was amazing. She's doing, uh, she just beavers away. It's incredible. And I'm, I'm doing all my, I was doing my stuff, but I'll come on my shit in a minute. But that's it. There's all the boxes. So it's like all the Fish and Friday shirts. <laughs> this is our living room. <laughs> This is our living room. This is where we live. Right. But I mean, it's all part and parcel of like this little operation that we got here. You know, it's, 
And if you notice, Bert the Bear has got his Fish and Friday shirt on. He, but I tell you what, I was, I was in a panic. Yeah. Don't know if you ever tried to dress a bear before, but it's like, it was kind of hectic. Oh, fucking, I've left the notes through there as well. But it's, um, I'm going to have to go through and get the notes. I'm bollocks today. I've had a really bad... This week's been kind of dramatic, trying to get everything together. And it's, um, I'm going to go through here, hope it doesn't shut off. Back into the control room. Another organised mess. See, this is Simona's bit. This is where it's like, um, this is, like I said, this is the mail room. There's my, that's fish in a coal mine. Uh, and Guido's, and Zabji. Kopalnia Guido, that was the name of the coal mine. And I've got all my stuff, getting papers. There's Simona through there. Well, she would be through there, but she's going down to the co-op. Well, I think she's actually showing my mum now, actually. No, she's at the co-op. But I bought, I bought Simona. It's <coughs> part of the little... <coughs> the endless whack-a-mole stuff that's been going on this week. It was, um... Here's me. Kid. There's my daughter. Other stories. But, um... <coughs> I've got a bit of cough. I think I've got a cold coming in. But don't worry. It's nothing more than that. Well, um, that's what comes with wandering about <coughs> outside in your trainers wearing a dressing gown in the snow. And I had to fill all the bird feeders today. I felt really guilty. And I saw the finches hit the big um, Niger seed feeders. And then I noticed that the, well, the, the feeders that the sparrows and that go to and then the, the, the ones with the plates that the robins hit were all empty. So I felt incredibly guilty. And then I dashed out there this morning about, I think it was about eight o'clock, right? Which is part of this, what happened this morning, right? So uh, I was out there this morning in the snow. Wonder, this is all slush on the ground. We had about two inches of snow last night. And, um, and the fruit cage is sagging and I'm going to have to go out there with a brush because if it freezes tonight, I'm going to lose my fruit cage. So I might have to go out after the show and bang, 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 bam, the fruit cage, you get the snow off it, right? It's because it hangs in the nets and it all just sags down like old man's bollocks. And uh, so I was out there, I had the bird feeders all to do this morning, some back and forth for the greenhouse so I'd keep all the, all the seed. So I filled them all, so hello, lots of little happy birds. But I mean, uh, this morning was nuts. It was just, you know, that's, go away. Right? Um... You know that thing, you know, when you're family, you, you, there's a thing, you know, when you've got right, really close friends or family and you know when there's something going wrong and it's just, you, the, the kind of, the vibe, I, I don't know what it is. You just have a feeling. And, um, and funnily enough, my mum had it exactly the same time. And uh, I was up about, oh, I think it was six o'clock this morning. <coughs> six, half six this morning. And uh, I came through and the phone went off, went ding, 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 right? And I went, what is it? Who's sending me messages at like, you know, six, seven in the morning? And uh, it was Tara. And she was across in Fife. And um, Tara's had a cyst, a, a cyst behind her ear for, oh, four years or so. And uh, she's been trying to get it fixed. And she was living down in London. And the usual story, it was like, you know, anyway, but I think I mentioned it. 
she'd had a wee operation and they put gauze in it and tied it up and she's on heavy duty antibiotics, like mental antibiotics. And um, she sent me these photographs and she was covered in blood, right? And it's like, what? <clears throat> and seemingly what had happened last night was that, don't worry, darling, I won't turn the camera. <laughs> My missus is just coming out the shower after a hard day's work in the office and on the, on the coal face, or the merchandise face. So, um, yeah, so Taz is covered in blood. I'm going, fuck. <laughs> and uh, so, we, you know, text, obviously, and start to talk, I talked to her on the phone. And seemingly she, she woke up this morning and, and was feeling really sick because of the high dose antibiotics and basically threw up and the, the pressure or erection basically banged it. It just burst it. <laughs> and it was like... And she woke up and she didn't know... <clears throat> excuse me. She didn't know that it was like... It was bleeding because, you know, she just woke up and, and felt sick and went through the bathroom and threw up. But... Oh, listen to that. This is going to be coming at us all night tonight. <coughs> but I'll tell you, that leads into another one. So, anyway, so Tyler's... Yeah, he's a bad dinger. Yeah, he's a So Tyler throws up, but the blood goes, has been going down her face and she didn't notice it. And she thought she was throwing up blood. And her boyfriend, John, was just going driving off to work. And she had to run it in her bare feet, going like, ah. And Jonah came in, and he only saw one side of her face, and he didn't see the other side. And uh, and she was still unaware that she was she was bleeding from her ear at that point. <coughs> so um, it ended up, it was like phone calls and, you know, da-da-da. But luckily, everything's good, and seemingly, it's a good sign. And this thing that she's had on the back of her ear, it looks like it's gone, but, you know, she's got to go for another kind of clean and stuff. So I've got all this going down in the morning with Tara and things, right? And I'm talking to Tara, and then Liam comes out of his bedroom, right, and goes, there's water coming in through the ceiling. And I go, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, and it was, um, and basically, the snow had, had lain and gone into the gutter, and just the way the roof, the roof is at the back, it needs to be kind of sorted out, because the snow goes in the gutter, and it goes down in the, into the back of the felt, and it's too technical. Anyway, he goes in his room and it's coming through his light fittings, right? And I'm going, man. Nah. And we have the sun is only the, uh, the sun is only just trying to get up into the sky at this point, right? So, uh, yeah. So I had, you know, I'm then chasing down. Um, I was chasing down roofers, and sadly, the guy that used to do my roof died of cancer. Uh, but over a year ago, a really nice guy called Donald Finley. And I hadn't found anybody else to do it. And luckily, I found this really good guy called John who came up this afternoon and analysed the problem and we know what's to happen. And luckily enough, well, it was... Uh, I'm trying to get some fascia done on the garage because it's all rotten. And um, I've been trying to get somebody to do that for about the last year and couldn't find anybody. So anyway, I talked to this guy, John, and John said, yeah, I could do that. Brilliant. So, boof. It was a double... It was like... Something bad happened, but something really good came at the end of it, and we know how to fix the problem. So, way then I had the radiator, the the, the radiator in someone's room. <clears throat> I bought her one of these Dimplex Eco things, and it's like a non-oil full radiator. It was great. She was freezing through there, and I went. I felt really sorry for her. So, I got this radiator so she could keep that whole side of the the, the, the office kind of warm. 
I only lasted a day and a half and fucking broke. I was like, I'm going, oh, I'm cursed. Right? So I was on the phone and a really nice guy in Wolverhampton called Camed or something like that. Really nice bloke. And so I've got another radio coming up on Tuesday. So this is all happening. This was, this was the first hour of waking up this morning. was like, oh, this going down. And of course, it's the launch of the lemon tree, fishing fish the lemon tree today. So because of where everything was, we had to make sure all the links were happening. And I wrote 8,000 words, I think it was, right, or sleeve notes for the, for the album so that basically when you, you, you went up, you could go onto the website and there would be an 8,000-word story of, like, kind of what happened at rehearsals, what happened all the way through the Lemon Tree gig, the aftermath, blah, blah, blah. And the server went down on, on where the website's parked at the moment. Their server went down, right? Or no, not their server, but they had issues, right? And um, and so we ended up, like, we, it was basically Rob, Rob Scarron. Hi, Rob. Overworked with Stephen Wilson at the moment, he is. But, um... So Rob Scarron is basically, he's bringing the website back to his server because he's got all the tools and knows how to work it, right? And Rob's kind of working on his own and stuff. But, the, but this week, he didn't have time to, to switch the servers because we've had to update a lot of stuff. So he's having to go on to the, the Fusemetric server. And of course, he went in there and it, it couldn't get things to work. So the 8,000 words that I spent three days, it was supposed to be going bang today, you know, on the website at the same time, like, didn't happen. But it's coming at you. You can read it. It's a big, long read, right? But um, <clears throat> it's been a pain. So, but, I mean, this whole week's just been um, organising the lemon tree thing um, and, and making sure. Steve Vance says, thank you, Steve. He's been absolutely brilliant. And Steve not only kind of dusted up and polished and put the magic on the stereo um, lemon tree um, mix, but... You know, he was setting the whole thing up with SoundCloud and organising SoundCloud. Rob was organising the YouTube link. And then, you know, Steve was sorting out the Just Given thing and, and stuff. So it was like, where it was a lot of put to and fro. And I mean, from from what should have been a very kind of, or, or on the surface, should have been something that was relatively simple, turned into something that became incredibly complicated, right? And... Um, for those of you who um, <clears throat> read what I wrote on Facebook, you know, people were going about, well, why don't you release it as a... Why can't we download it? And why don't you release it as a live album? And, you know, why is it Why is it stream and blah, blah, blah. Right. The reasons... Diff, diff, frogging method. Here's the reasons. When we do warm-ups, when, when we do the first shows, you know, the band's coming together. It's like, you know, in rehearsals, you play in a little circle. You know, you, say, you, you play in a circle and then suddenly you go to a gig and then you're all lined up and it's kind of different. You know, you can't see each other. You know, I'm obviously looking at it from and people, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of duplicate that bit in the rehearsal room where everybody's looking going, this is the bit, that bit now, right? Yeah, here we go, there's the change, right? So you, when you do the line up, it's, it's a whole different vibe. And it's the first gig. You had Marcel, who's only, he'd only been with us for five days because Marcel had commitments to the, the university. And John Mitchell, who was an absolute gem, he was, a, he was a total gentleman, because John was going to do the tour. And then John found out he was having to go out with another band at the end of the year. And I said, I couldn't 
you know, do another set of rehearsals because a set of rehearsals for two weeks to bring everybody together from all over the place and move all the equipment up, it's expensive. You know, it was about over 10 grand to get that together, just just rehearsals, right? And, um, you know, Marcel was had only been there because he, he flew in. John, John came in because John had... Um, I'll go back. Blah, 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 blah. John was going to do the tour. Then he said, look, I'm really sorry, but I can't do the tail end. And I said, well, I can't afford another set of rehearsals with another guitarist. And at the same time, the, when you bring the band together and you do your warm-ups and you get into the gigs, you only start... <clears throat> the band really starts to gel after about three gigs, and then it just gets better and better. And, you know, everybody can play without thinking too much, you know, and everybody just is just feeling everybody and feeling the music and relaxing. And the first gig, you everybody's really uptight and you're concentrating on what you're playing and, and in context with what everybody else is doing. And, you know, it, it's never really together, you know. And, um, and you know, and Marcel, as I said, especially, was coming in, where I had to play the cliche solo right now. That's a test. I mean, you know, that was Frank's... It's always been Frank's solo. And there's very few people... In fact, I could say Robin Bolt... And uh, John Mitchell can nail it, right? But, I mean, Marcel had just basically come in and all he'd been doing was working at home in Amsterdam and playing along to stuff and, 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 and learning all the riffs and learning all the bits and parts. But when he came across to play rehearsal, suddenly he's there and he had five days and then he was on stage at the Lemon Tree. And I remember on the night at the Lemon Tree, I went across to him and went, you OK? You'll, you'll do it, you'll nail it. You know, just, here we go, right? And with it being the first show... I don't, you, you know, you never think about those. They're, they're never the ones that end up on official bootlegs or live albums or whatever, you know, because you, you're, you're just finding each other, you know. So that was number one reason, you know, and that, you know, it was a great performance, as you can hear on YouTube and on Sinclair. It's It's really good. And for a first time together, and I also had Liam Holmes. I mean, Liam had joined... After Forrest had basically said, look, I'm hanging up my touring hat. I, I, I don't want to go on tour anymore. <clears throat> and he said he, he wanted to, to walk from the album in the same way as um, when John Mitchell got on board with the album. The idea was that all the players would play on the album and then move into the tour. So they knew the new stuff and their sounds and their approach and everything was going to be, you know, identifiable when people heard the Velchmerz material when we went out, you know. So that's why you want to keep a cohesive unit together and then rehearse them together, take them out and tour, let them start to really gel, and then it's, you've got a really wonderful circus. You know, you've got a great circus. And um, <clears throat> as I said, John was an absolute gentleman because when he couldn't do the tour, he offered and helped us out by coming up for a week and basically standing in for Marcel. So John played the parts so that all the rest of us could work with a guitarist, right? And uh, he was great. And my hat is off to John. He was brilliant about it. And nobody knew that this shit was going to go down. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we did two weeks rehearsals, went up to the Lemon Tree, and it was our first gig. So that was a reason why I don't want to have it out as a CD. You know, I'm happy to have it as a stream. There are other reasons, right? It wasn't a multi-track, right? So any mistakes that were made, you couldn't go in and change them. You could do a bit of 
auto-tune and you could do a bit of flamming with the sound of the EQs, but it wasn't a multi-track. When we go into a tour, we start to record on multi-tracks after about five or six shows, right? And then when we get the good gigs, that's the one, the other ones that we pick from to, to move into the, the, the live albums, right? So we didn't have the multi-track. We've only got a stereo tape, that reason number two. And number three is, it's like, the whole object of this, right? You know, as I've said before, I'm not taking any money from from any of the donations on the Just Given page. All that money will go to associated musicians, which include a couple of guys like Yatta, who is basically took a hit as well. A big, big, Yatta took a big hit. Not from me, but from his own stuff that he was doing with other, other people. So, um... The, idea, the, the object of the game is to raise as much money as possible, you know? And the thing is that if I was to put it out as something that was sellable, right? If, if I was charging money for people to listen to it, right? I would have to pay VAT and VAT is 20%. So 20% of anything that came in was going to go to Her Majesty's government. And the only way I could get around that was doing it as a donation thing, right? and having it as a free stream. So it's free and you give a donation if you want to hear it, right? And in the same way, MCPS, who deal with the, um, the, the publishing and everything, if we were to actually sell it straight or if we were to put it on a, on a, a high quality, um, on a high quality um, kind of stream or whatever, or, or put it in sections and put every song up, if we were to sell it or do anything like that and if it wasn't free, then they would take their percentage, and of which I own about 50% anyway as, as the lyricist, right? And um, so that would have been another chunk that went. So this was why everything became MP3 and stream only, in order that we could save roughly about 25% of, of the donations. Otherwise, they would have been going elsewhere. Right? And that is why it's not available as a flag. It is not available as a download, and it won't be released on a CD. It's a great performance, right? It's really cool. I really like, there's some really nice bits. The family business was amazing. And I'm actually going to play you Velchmerz tonight because I downloaded it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to. I'm the artist. <laughs> You're not. Right? But, um, but yeah, so I'm going to play you uh, um tonight. But that, those are the reasons. The VAT, um, the MCPS... You know, blah, 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 it's only stereo, it was the first gig. We don't, it's not kind of like representative of like where that band, where that circus will be once it gets out on the road and starts getting played in, you know. And, um, you know, all the guys were happy. Everybody, Liam Holmes was, was happy and so was Marcel, Gavin um, and Steve and Doris. Everybody was really happy for to allow the performance to be used in, in, in this way, you know. Because I think, you know, if we'd actually said this is an official live album, I think your know, people might have gone, oh, we're not happy about that. So that's why it is. It's a donation only thing. I understand that there's people that are like stretched at the moment. There's people, you know, I'm not expecting people to like, you know, go out and go, oh, there's a load of money. There's been some people that have, have been incredibly generous, right? And thank you very much. But for anybody who puts in just a quid, you know, 
it's like thanks because it'll total up and when it starts to move up then I'll divvy it up between all the different musicians and crew and things you know that's what it's all about so that's where we are that's fish live at the lemon tree and as you know um, it's out now <laughs> I'll go down to this Marina Burro <clears throat> yeah it sounds to me like you found each other very quickly the gig sounds great we did and I loved it. I mean, it was it was amazing. I mean, Marcel, you know, I was <clears throat> I was a bit nervous, you know, because he was only coming in with five days' notice, really. And it's all very well playing in the house, playing with a bunch of guys in a room and playing a bunch of guys in a line on a stage. Very different, right? So Marcel really shone. And Liam, I remember turning around to Liam and I saw this guy giving it, you know, big time keep I went, <laughs> I didn't know you did that because I'd only seen him at rehearsals going, Studious, studious, right? And he was giving it loudly on the on the stage, and he was brilliant. And Marcel kind of got got into throwing shapes a wee bit, you know. So I mean, visually it looked great, and, and for the first gig it was amazing. And I was so gutted, you know, that you know just after that one night, it's like you know, okay, bye, you know, cheerio everybody, thanks for coming. Yeah. So that's where it's all at. But as I said, you know, it'll be running for quite a while. I mean, it's got a 15,000 limit on it, which we just threw in. And it's like as much as we can raise, it's like as much as we can raise. The, sorry, darling, what? Did you have my car key? Do I have your car key? Did you have it? You wanted the bandana? No, I didn't use the car key. Okay. The car, it should be in the bowl. You can drive my car if you want. You can, you can, it's the winter tyres are on the score now, you take that. <laughs> Little giggles. Have you found it? Yeah, I don't, I don't have them, babe. Just checking. Nope. But yeah, so where was it? Yeah, so the lemon tree and, and everything. So it was all that getting set up and trying to get everything sorted out and putting all the pieces in place. So thank you very much, Steve Vances. Thank you very much, Rob Scarron. Thank you, William Luff, my press guy, for uh, for getting it all announced. And um, it's, it's, you know, let's just see where it goes. It's uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. It's Like I said, you know, it's the only gig we played this year. <laughs> the one show. Two weeks of rehearsals. <laughs> Yeah, and Simona feeds them all. We work in a place called Overhales, which is like a farm, which is down towards East Linton, and uh, it's a great place. And a, a, a friend of mine um, that lives down there, I think he lives down there. We <laughs> we don't talk at the moment for why. <laughs> anyway, but it's um, yeah. So anyway, he lived in there, and I went. I used to go down and see him quite a bit, and. Uh, and he, he showed me about it and he, he showed me this room and I went, this is a perfect rehearsal room. And it was basically Johnny, who's the farmer. He's got this big room next to the offices, which are kind of, it's, it's his playroom. It's his kind of party room, games room. And there's a big snooker table in there, right? And there's enough to put three snooker tables in this room. It's brilliant. You don't disturb anybody. And to even top that, where my mate lives, on uh, over hills, there's a quadrangle where there's all these holiday cottages. 
So I can put all the bands in, in the cottages so they can all get their own rooms. There's great Wi-Fi. It's a fantastic rehearsal place. And um, and we get ensconced down there for rehearsals. It's about the third time we've been down at Overhills. And the other thing is great, it's miles from the pub, which means, like, they can't go wandering. They've got, you know, they can check them again. The searchlights catch them when they go out the gate. Right? Yeah, get out of the pub. Right. So, um, yeah, so everybody's kind of there and it's... It's a, a good place. It's, it's, you know, again, it reminds me of Rockfield in a way. It's like the old, uh, the Rockfield Mill House that we used to work at in the old days. Well, it's, um, yes, Overhills was, was where we were for the two weeks and then we spent two weeks there and the, the, the band kind of fend for themselves for lunch and breakfast, but every night the whole band came back up here and Simona... Um, basically did dinner so we all came up here and sat around the big table every night and the guys went back to Overhills Farm and um, Gavin was always designated driver <laughs> designated driver you know? so it's uh, but yeah so it was it was it was you know to spend two weeks working in a rehearsal room and then travelling all the way up to Aberdeen to do one gig to drive all the way back to get, be told stop uh, um, so there is the show so enjoy it, right? It's, there's, some, there's loads of wee bits, and I know there's always the nitty-gritty people going, oh, it's too compressed, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's free, right? Flip Mark Matarano, hello. Right, Roddy McLeod, fish was gutted, haha. Lauren Barr, hello, Simona. She'll be back later on. Man Beverage, sounds great. What a treat, listen to Lemon Tree Gig at the weekend. Yeah, cool. It is Sabina Brignall, hello Simona, Ray Lambert, beep, 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 oh yeah, beep, 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 oh, beep, beep, yeah, beep, beep, oh, beep, beep, yeah. It's the Beatles. Sergio Frias Corona, Mexico. Jeff Cooper, lost car keys, nightmare, yes. What car do you have that Simona does not want to drive? She doesn't want to drive the Skoda. <laughs> I've got a Skoda Superb, I know. And it's, it's quite strange because of the COVID virus. I didn't get my winter tyres off the vehicle, right? I didn't get my normal tyres put on until I think it was uh, July. <laughs> I was I was driving about. I said driving about. I drove two miles to the co-op and back again. You know that was you know. It's so when it comes to selling the car, it's going to the, it's, it's going to the, the, the mileage. You know, you're only allowed to drive eight thousand miles a year. I was like, I'll be lucky if I drive. Three, right? So, um, so I've got this score superb, and I had to get the winter tires put on it. And luckily, I got the timing right this time. So just before the snow and the shit hit, the winter tires are on. But I'm still, uh, I'm doing twenty-two mile to the gallon going down to Harrington and back. Twenty-two, and I'm, that's on eco. That's when the little thing comes and goes eco. It's a lying bastard thing, right? And it's, a, it's the worst mileage I've ever had in a car ever. Even my old Volvo, which I really, 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 really miss, right? It was used to do like 34. And this, my two-litre Volvo had a better mileage, a diesel Volvo had a better mileage than this 1.5-litre pedal thing. I just don't like it. Too much tech, and it's just... I've never felt comfortable in it. So, it was like, anyway, but so... But Simona doesn't like it. She thinks it's too big, and she's really, really scared that she does something to it. <laughs> In case I get all shouty. <laughs> Which I wouldn't. 
Right? So, Daniela Teka, uh, Teresa Voiko Lehman, two part question. In Waverly Steps, which my husband and I feel is your magnum opus, what does the black dog represent? And how do you remember the lyrics to such a long story? <laughs> it's such. <laughs> I don't remember them. I use lyric sheets on stage. These lyrics, right? This isn't the Beatles, you know, beep, beep, yeah, yeah, you know. She loves you, yeah, 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 repeat. I, I, they're not like that. And they're really, I mean, Little Man What Now, or I mean, is a nightmare. I mean, it's it's like having to remember, you know, like immense soliloquies, like <laughs> huge soliloquies. And, and you've got to get it all in order. Like you can't just jam it because the band use the lyrics for cues as well. And... You know, you can't just, and, and because of the timings and the way that we use, um, uh, the, way, the way we use samples and the way we use loops and things, because what Gavin Griffiths plays is augmented and backed up by this thing, uh, this Roland machine, which is like a, a, a drum pad, right? And we call it Eric, right? And Eric has got like 12 string guitars on it. It's got saxophones on it and all sorts of stuff, right? And Gavin, while he's playing, triggers him. He's, I mean, he's amazing. And, you know, the, again, that first gig in Aberdeen, Gavin's having to remember. He's not only having to sit in the groove and, and get the groove right, he's got to remember where the sax comes in, where, the, where he's got to hit a string thing, because you've got a click track going all the way underneath it, and he's got to hit the stuff and trigger it. And then I've got to work in between that. So it is quite stressful. Right? So lyric-wise, right, I have my sheets, because if I screw up, Right, I can screw the whole band up and, and derail the whole thing on stage. So they're my safety blanket. I don't mind. It's, it's, I used to get a little bit kind of um, embarrassed about it, you know, and then I thought, you know what? It's like, I've got them there. And you, you rem once you get into a tour, you start to remember you're not looking at the sheets as much, you know? And interestingly enough, it's just like, <laughs> it's an old age thing. I can remember all the old, all the old stuff. I can remember things back from uh, the Vigil album. I can remember nearly all of that. Right? <laughs> but you know, when you, as soon as I start getting into sunsets and stuff, it's like, you know, mm. huh? so Joe Burns, Lurgan, Northern Ireland. Philip Garbett, brain freeze. My my Erdinger is too cold. <laughs> Joe Burns, great gig. Ray Rooks, my wife never drives my truck. <laughs> uh, Matthew, G. Bennett, have a, Matthew G. Bennett, I've a Skoda Fabia State, Powers here in Phil, four months in from you. Graham Huckin, any chance of showing the vinyl albums behind me? I'm not time. To try CD, CD, CD nights. Teeth. You see, don't worry about the gap, right? But you're not singers, right? And the thing is, having. The gap in my teeth. Yes, everybody has them. My one's just got bigger. In about another two years, these teeth are going to be where my wisdom teeth were, right? And um, <clears throat> and it's it changes the shape of your mouth. And like when you 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 do notes and using your mouth to express stuff, it's changed it. And I, I can feel it, and, and I'm really aware of it. Even and when I'm singing, that you know, I can feel you know when you're. Say that 
it, it changes the pressure and, and, and some of the sounds that you make, right? <laughs> because as a singer, you're very aware of the sounds that you make, right? <laughs> and uh, so I've got these two teeth that are kind of, they've just changed my diction slightly. <laughs> I know you said not to worry last week, right? And I, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to be really worried if they fall out, right? Tell you a funny story, Peter. If he's watching, right, and I'm, I'm, if you're watching, Peter, I'm really sorry. I've got your number and it's all there, and I, I'm going to phone you, and I do want to talk to you at some point, right? But it's just been hecticated, right? Well, I remember one night in Fuckabers, right? <laughs> it's actually two stories about teeth. There's right? um. I remember there was the pub in Fockabers in the High Street. I'm trying to remember the name. It was so long ago. It was, that was 1979 or whatever it was. And uh, they used to have there'd be dances and things. You know, it's like Saturday night. You know, hey, hello, welcome to the, the, the disco, roundabout disco. Da, 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 da. I mean, we're all steaming and Pete's up dancing with the lassies and stuff like that. And he was dancing away trying to impress it, right? And at some point he was like, bah, da, da, bah. And his teeth came straight out of his mouth, right? And I swear, I was standing at the bar and I watched it. And his teeth came right out of his mouth and he caught them in his hand like that and put them back in before the girl even noticed. It was beautiful. It was an incredible move, right? But there was another guy there, right? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I can't even mind his name. But he was an old alkid and he used to drive the forestry commission vans, right? And he used to get in the vans in the morning and it's like you could smell the whiskey and stuff and smell the beer. On a Monday, it was like, it was, and you're driving up forest roads at 40 mile an hour with a trailer full of chainsaws and petrol in the back. And you do not want to come off that road, right? And there were a lot of these guys were salmon fishermen. So, like, you know, when it was the off season, when, when the salmon season finished, they'd come and work in, in the woods and work with a commission, right? So we had this old guy who was like the old donkey. And, uh, and, um, and he... he he, had, he was, I mean, serious, right? And he was told by the doctor, right, to stop drinking whiskey, right? And he had to come off spirits completely because he, his, his liver and, and stuff were, were knackered, right? And uh, so he started drinking lager, right? But he never got the hit off the lager, right? So he got in his head that what he'd do is he'd drink loads and loads of lager, right? And then when he was full, right, when he was full of lager, right, he'd go through the toilet and he'd throw up, right? And he'd make himself throw up so he could empty his stomach so he could drink more lager. Go figure, right? So anyway, right? Fuck up us High Street, right? In the pump, right? it might have been the crown. It might be called the crown. Little things coming to me. I feel like a medium sometimes, you know, I'm contacting the dead, right? And, um, this was one of the nights where he'd, he'd got up on the lager. Went away at the toilet, threw up in the toilet, pulled a flush, and then realised his teeth had come out and they'd gone down the toilet, right? Serious, right? And he's in a panic, he's, I've lost my teeth, I've lost my teeth. Comes into the pub, into the, 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 the main room of the pub, and he goes, oh, my teeth, my teeth are going to the Next thing, half of the pub are outside and there's a big drain going down, there's a, a, a big drain goes down Fockerbers High Street. And people were lifting manholes, trying to see if they were pissed up people looking for somebody's teeth 
that were sailing somewhere down a sewage plant, right? And um, obviously they couldn't find them, right? And he started to go down, he used to go down the, the, the sewage plant where, they, where they, they clean all the, the stuff out. So like, you know, the solids and things and the bits that get flushed away. And they turn up and all the rest of it and they take them out of the filters and, and put them in, you know, trays or whatever, right? And he went in and there was a bunch of teeth, right, on a tray. And he walks in. Nah, not him. Nah. That's it, that's mine. That's mine, that's my teeth. That's my teeth. Picked them straight off the tray and put them in his gob. And he got his teeth back at the sewage point. Yeah. Nuts. The tooth story, the tooth fairy from Fuckables. Where are we? Quarter to seven, shit. Neil Quarrel, thank you very much for putting me back, on oh, putting me back on track. Yes, young lady, the black dog, right, is, it's, it's, um, it's used to, as a kind of metaphor for depression, right? And it's like when you, when you're, when you're with a black dog, it means you're depressed or you're pursued by the black dog. Winston Churchill talked about it a lot. And that is why it's used on Waverly Steps, because the, the, the black dog actually signifies depression. And, um, and uh, I know quite a few people, and including myself, who have, you know, been visited by the black dog on, on more than one occasion. So. Red Lion, Grant Arms. Oh, no. Jackie, do good, Red Lion. I can't. I'm going to scoop down because it's going up too fast. Carol Lawrence Olsen. I did wonder if it was my hearing, but I think I heard something with the S's on Rose of Damascus. Rose of Damascus, the studio version, almost kind of like a lisp. Perhaps. <laughs> Mikara, do you like craft work? Oh, no, I've got lost that one again. I've got, I've got to come down the page. Uh, Leon Ramsey, first used by Churchill, I believe, my black dog circling. I don't know if it was Churchill. I think it was actually before then. Uh, uh. <laughs> Rob Schofield, Tommy Lager. Uh. Darren McKinney, uh, what was the rhyming dictionary you showed us the other week? I'll have to go. It's through the control room. I'm not going to go through and get it tonight. Uh. Uh. Antonio Medeiros, I've been listening to two bands produced by Callum Malcolm. It's Immaterial and Blue Nile. How do you relate to his work with other bands? And can you please tell us about the importance of his work on your albums? Um, yeah, I love the Blue Nile. The Blue Nile worked in the studio and um, I became uh, became friends with them. And, and Paul, I love as a singer, Paul Buchanan, great singer. And Callum's son has been working on Paul Buchanan's solo albums for years. The Blue Nile were just professional studio people. They just went from... It was like they just used studios as an excuse to like have holidays. So they'd go away to Italy and go to Spain or whatever, France, and, and work in studios for weeks and end. And, like, you know, I love this stuff. And I remember, I think I mentioned this before, the Blue Nile, the first album I heard of the Blue Nile was Walk Across the Rooftops. I think it was. Yes, it was. And I've, I was given a cassette by Brian Munns, who was my press guy at EMI, and he said, you've got to hear it. And I remember walking about with my Sonny Walkman, you know, um, my pro Sonny Walkman, the black one, the one that everybody 
dreamed about having. And I used to walk about the embassy district, which was all overgrown with buddly eye and, and stuff and vines and things. It was all these old buildings that weren't used. They were all derelict. And I just used to listen to Blue Nile walk across the rooftops, Little Feet and Joni Mitchell. That was my, my three favourite walkabout kind of albums. The Joni Mitchell Blue Album, Hegira and things. And Little Feet was various Little Feet. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> 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 I just tried to use the vape as the mouse. <laughs> I'm going, why is the cursor not moving? I've got the vape moving on top of the couch. Yeah. Simon Quar, Farquhar, evening. Sorry I'm late. I hope you have a letter from your mother. Yeah. Ray Lambert, Black Cloud, Black Dog, Led Zeppelin, yes. The Red Lion and the Gordon Arms. It must have been, yeah, the Red Lion, the Gordon Arms, I think, was down the bottom. The Gordon Arms is the bottom. And I went there, we actually had lunch there. Uh, I, uh, we went there with Marillion in 1982 when we played Keith. And that's going to get a few, like, people buzzing. Oh, Keith, Bonnyshire. Terry oh. Cook. Ezra King. Mike Brennan, there's a crown in the high street, remember? Maybe maybe I was right. Maybe, I don't know. It's... Graham Penny, did the pub have a deer outside? <laughs> I'd remember if it was a deer outside a pub. Uh, here we go. John Germanato, thank you very much. Joe Irvin. Uh, John Can John Canisto, no audio. Don't know about that, mate. Uh, coming down. Rich Stone, my wife won't drive my car either. It's a Jaguar and she's scared it's too big and she might take out a trolley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris Harris, Walker's Rhyming Dictionary. Right. And there's a supplement too, yeah. I'm just reading something. Martin Beveridge, Callum Malcolm was with Lynn Records. Yeah, classic Blue Nails. Yeah, Callum had, had, had did a lot of work with Lynn and Lynn Records because he, he's, he's such a brilliant, he's got fantastic ears. And it's wonderful because Callum was moving, Callum's, he's a great friend of mine. I love Callum dearly. And he he, he had, his, the studio where I did a lot of work, I did a lot of 13 star work down there and I did work on, uh, Feast the Consequences down at Callum's place in North Berwick. Um, and he had a wonderful house there. It was a, a, a gatehouse and he, he built this studio at the back. It was great. And he, they decided to move up. Him and his wife Yvonne moved across to, to uh, St. Moans, across in, in Fife on the other side of the water from me. And I've never been there. <laughs> he kept, we finished Velchman's. He said, come on, we must come on, come out. We'll go, come and stay the night. We'll go out and have lobsters and da-da-da. We'll have a great laugh and, you know... Forget it. And Callum's, I've just discovered in the last, last month or so, Callum's moving back and he's moving back to East Lothian again because he couldn't handle the, the, the driving. So having to drive, he said, he was doing some project down in Leeds and he said, I drove all the way back from Leeds. And he said, I got to Edinburgh. And they said, then I realised I had another hour to do. And he said, look, every time he was going to an airport, it was taking him ages to get there. So they decided to shift back. So And he's going to be living down the road from me. I can actually cycle to his house. 
he, there was an actual house for sale on the farm and it was looking at and it's like it's, it's, I think it's just been sold and he was looking at it and he actually said to me he said I did see it but he said I thought it would be a bit dangerous so my life expectancy would probably go down by about 20% because it's like having Callum down the bottom of the road because we do like a wee red wine together <laughs> and having Callum staggering this, he'd never get any work done in either way that he just thought I've got there just popping down to see Callum <laughs> Back in a few days. <laughs> right. Ed Friday, Keith is in Banffshire. Sorry, I'm my, please correct me. I worked in Murrayshire and it was like, it was Banffshire. Yeah. Max Gera from Yorkshire. Uh, Jackie Duguid, Longmore Hall, Keith, I was there. Wow. Yeah. God, it was like. God knows who stayed in the Garden Arms on the way up to the, the first convention. Well, anyway, we'll move on. And the winning song tonight is, as you probably know, Lucky. And it was kind of, um, it was a song. Lucky, how do I go into Lucky? Um, I think I came up with the, the chorus. Like, could it be you? Could it be me? Could it be anybody? But he was born lucky. And I wanted to write something that was a real kind of anthem kind of thing. And we did. I did. And Robin Bolt was, was kind of one of the, the principal guys with that one. And... Uh, it was a song, it was kind of like a ticket to piss song. It's like, it, you know when people like, you know, it's like unlucky elf, you know? And when people are sarcastic and they say, well, that guy's really lucky, you know? He's really, you know, hi, <laughs> just caught this or got done this or he smashed this up and like lost this or whatever, right? Oh yeah, he must be lucky, eh? And, um, and that's kind of what I used as the base of it. And I wanted to write a really Scottish song and I've, I've got the lyric here somewhere in a pile this is where I find out I don't have the thing in the pile and I'm going to be buggered here you go he's printing off paper again oh come on oh, no it's not printed bollocks oh well I'm going to have to remember it Unless it's somewhere else. He met the world as a donkey's boy, raced from a shaft in Moncton Hall in a well-oiled cage that locked away his dreams. An 85 veteran face from the gallery, a ghost from the Civil War and the family. Oh, is he a ghost from the Civil War and the family? He's on the picket line to all that he was left with with. His father's cough and his mother's eyes that would hold a tear for the very first time till the government, they took his job away. And that was lucky. And I'm from Dalkeith. And I'm very proud to come from Dalkeith. And Dalkeith was a mining town and also it was a market town. But, uh, you know, when I went to school at Dalkeith High, you know, there was a, there was a lot of miner sons there and there was a lot of kind of, it was a whole mix of people. But there was a lot of the guys um, left 
Donkey Hines, Davids, and all the rest of it, and um, Dander Hall, guys from uh, Goldbridge, and all the rest of it. The big pit that existed in the, the 70s was Moncton Hall Col Colliery, which no longer exists. It's long gone. And Hutch, if you're watching, hello. And um, Hutch, an old friend of mine, used to work down that pit. And it was only a few miles away from, from Dalkeith. Like I said, it was uh, up at Dander Hall. Big modern pit. It was the most modern pit in Europe at one point. And um, we also had Bilston Glen, which was has been mentioned in other songs. And I wanted to write a song about kind of like a, a working class guy that was kind of, you know, gallus. Uh, somebody that was, you know, going to fight the world. You know, somebody that was kind of... He was gonna. He was gonna have a hard time, and it was about how he lived his life. Met the world's donkey boy, raced from a shaft in Moncton Hall in a well-oiled cage, and lived away his dreams. An eighty-five veteran face from the gallery, and it was that. It was the pit, and it was about the miner strike, and it was about how the miner strike um, it divided families, uh, uh, divided communities as well, and I wanted to get that all that in, and um. And I wanted it to be kind of, kind of rough and tumble. And it's kind of, you know, the one thing I did get wrong, right? He sold razor, he, um, what's he bought his own guitar. I should have brought the lyrics. I can't remember the lyrics. I'm showing my age now. Um, he made his first down payment on a sharp Italian suit, sold razor blades and two the lapels. And you don't sew razor, it's the teeth. You don't sew razor blades into the lapels. You put fish hooks. Right, I never did it. It wasn't my kind of modus operandi by any stretch of the imagination. But you put fish hooks in. So if somebody was going for a fight with you, if somebody was going to put the head in you, the people would grab them and go like that, right? But if they put the fingers into the collar, into the, the collar they got caught on fish hooks and you were trapped, right? And it was like, bang, you know. Another thing I remember, it's like, I remember my mum telling me about my granddad who worked down the pit, right? And... You know, it's like when the guys came up the shaft and, and went into the showers and stuff, you know, with the carbolic soap because they had to clean themselves with carbolic soap because of the rats pissing and everything that was down in the pit. Down in the pit. And, they, you know, they were down there sweating and the dust would go into their very pores. And no matter how much they went into the shower and scrubbed and rubbed and, and soaked up and steamed up and sweated it out, it never left the system. And... You know, I remember my mum telling me about, you know, my granddad, that, you know, he'd be all clean. And, you know, even these collars, you know, when if if they, they went out at night or whatever, right, and it was like, you know, they went out to the dances, they'd still have coal dust, you know, that, that would be coming out their neck and, and, and staining their collars because it was just so ingrained in them. And I wanted to touch that in the song as well. And it was a uh, coal dust Susan from every pore. And, uh... That's what it was. It was it was a working class guy, and um, and with a lucky thing, I wanted to kind of touch on that, that the, the Scottish psyche, whatever it is. You know, this whole thing about glorious failure, right? And and also the fact that we're a very international nation, and um, you know, you'll find Scotsmen everywhere in the world, right? And um, and at the same time, it's like you know they were a major part of the British Empire, right? And that was where that whole middle section came in. And it was like, you know, um, 
Ross Ice Gates, you know, South Atlantic, you know, the Falkland Islands, and the fact that we were sailors and soldiers and fighters, and um, I wanted to get that whole thing in, and it was like, it could have been you, it could have been me, it could have been anybody, but he was born lucky, right? And it was like, he was a real personality. And funny enough, was, uh, I have to say hello to Bonsai, because I know you're watching from Aylesbury, he's a guy a bit like you and a bit like Brick and Market Square Heroes. It was kind of that kind of guy. And uh, and it was Mickey, Robin Bolt and I, and, and Mickey, had, Mickey and I had this idea, right? We, we wanted to kind of do what, what Floyd did on the Fearless track, where they've got like, you'll never walk alone, right? And we thought it would be a great idea to take a bunch of microphones to Easter Road, right? And we were going to record the crowd, and that was the idea, to record the crowd, going like, could it be you, could it be me, could it be anybody, but he was born lucky, could it be you, could it... And we did, it was like, the more we kind of progressed with it, we even talked to Avelian at the time, going like, could we make a recording? And they go, ooh, you know, it's a bit dodgy, this. And I just went, it's going to be an absolute mess. It's like, hello, uh, hello, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'd like you to sing these lyrics, please. <laughs> Fish lyric. <laughs> and, um, and it never happened. We decided it would be an absolute mess. <laughs> fuck off. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I remember when we did Fellini Days and we did that thing up in, where was it? Um, Louvarden. I remember recording, you know, so Fellini, so... It was brilliant. And Lucky was supposed to have that, but we ducked it. And it was a, it was a really strange kind of song in as far as it never really sat right. And this afternoon, I was listening to different versions, right? Going, which one am I going to play? And I, I got Simona through, and I said, well, "What one do I play?" And I played the internal XL one uh, that had um, uh, that Chris Kimsey had, had produced, right? And there was also the other one uh, that James Cassidy produced, which we we redid it for the for the um, was it the Yin or the Yang album? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't even remember what's on them. Yin and Yang. Whoa, which one? Right. And uh, and we upped the tempo, and because it was like by '95 when we recorded the the Yin and Yang stuff, when G when James came up here and recorded Yin and Yang, you know we'd been playing it live for a while, and it just the, the original version seemed really ploddy, you know. And um, the, when we did the version on Yang, it was more akin to like what we were doing on stage, sort of, because <laughs> that was a song that could run away from you very, 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 very quickly. <laughs> and because it was always at the end of the set, you were always fired up in adrenaline, right? And, and um, you know, and everybody had a few wines and stuff, and I went to ding, 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 ding. And then sometimes I, I needed oxygen, like an oxygen feed into my lung to be able to sing all those words, because <laughs> I read too many bloody words. And it was like... How you to get if it sped up? It was like, but the world's not keep boiling. Switch up the book and order. But And of course, and then by the time we got into '95, it was it was the song where we you would allow people to extrapolate and show their musical talents, right? And if we'd had a few vodkas, right, it could go on for 
like 15 minutes. And one of the version I did find that I was going to play for you on the on the Krakow album, right? It was 15 and a half minutes long. It started off at four and a half minutes, 15 minutes, right? But it was great, and it's, it's, it's it became a real life classic. But it was a it was a it was a, a struggle, you know, to like what like I said when you got fired up. So um. I decided to kind of go for the. I think I think I'm going for the Eternal Exo version. I can't, I can't remember what I chose now. I think it's the Exo. Darling, yeah. did we go for the XL version, the original one? Uh, is it the original one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Did you find the car keys? Yes. <laughs> Good. This means you've been down the co-op, darling. Yes, I've been. Mummy's been down the co-op. But Daddy's special juice. Is it too early? It's too early. It's five some. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I could have, I could have a wine, but lucky. I've, I've nearly finished the Erdinger anyway. Okay. So, yeah, so that was the, the, the gist of the song. And uh, I was going to show you the artwork because it should have been a single, right? It, it, was a, it should have been a single, and Polydor didn't want it. They didn't want it as a single. And, uh, and I, I, it may have missed out. I, I don't know it, in my heart of hearts, was it really kind of something you could envision in, in, in a, a top 40 thing and getting played? Perhaps not. But um, it was, uh, but it was great. Like, I still love playing it. And it, that'll be, it'll be a song that'll get into the live set when we eventually get out on a stage again, whenever. Now, John Dexter Jones, go away. Gary Van Dien Smith, you'll find Scotsman through the world eye, usually in a pub, right? Yeah, mother's eyes and a, a mother's... Uh, father's cough and mother's eyes, yeah. Yeah, that was it, the father's cough, you know, son of a minor, right? And and the mother crying because of the... Thank you, Slanger. See, <laughs> please welcome Simona to the factory. Hello, <laughs> to the factory. <laughs> yeah, well... Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, it was that whole idea of, I was trying to capture that whole kind of vibe that was going on in, uh, at that time, you know, and during the minor strike as well, and, uh, you know, the mother watching the, the son being put at work and, and stuff, so. Uh, I was 13 years at Clipston Pit, North Knots. Who was that? I missed you. Uh, uh, even the fish from Brentwood, Essex. Sorry, I'm late. Mark Townsend. Letter from your mother, please. Joe Burns, I worked in Goodyear, Craig Avon, and the boys in the Banbury sweated black sweat on nights out. Wow, Goodyear. Yeah, wow. The rubber. Uh, morning fish from Melbourne. Anyway, let's move on to this. I forgot where to put the fucking remote. I'm standing up a lot better now, as you probably just noticed. And that is the original. Too shiny, too shiny. That was the original thing for Antenna XL that was going to be 
It was part of the lucky idea. The St Andrews Cross with the Scottish Miner on the on the pit wheel. And I still love this, what Mark Wilkinson done with that, with the Davy lamp. And um, we actually offered this at some point as a, an image for to the miners to use. And I think it might have been Arthur Scargo that we contacted and said, you know, would you like to use this? And uh, they turned it down. Don't know why. I think maybe because of too Scottish, I don't know. And so, I've been asked to play it loud, so I will. Candles don't really work for this one, but they're all on for you. Right, have I picked the right track? Switch on the machine. Switch on the machine. Load the machine. Find out. From a shaft in Mountain Hall In a well-oiled cage that locked away his dreams An 85 veteran face from the gallery A ghost from the Civil War And a family stood his ground On the picket line Till all that he was left with Were his father's cough from his mother's eyes They would hold his here for the very first time When the government, they took his job away Thank you. 
15 minutes live because we never knew how to end it. Uh, it was mental. It was, uh, and on the Ying, on the, the, the version on the Yang Yin Yin Yang version, we actually faded it all the way down and it went out on a soft vocal, you know. But I think live, we, we used to try and. I don't want Dazzling Dahlias from Dazzling, Dazzling Dahlias from Dobies. Dazzling Dahlias from Dobies. Oh. So that was lucky. So there you go. Yeah. Behind the drums in Genoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angelo De Negri. That was about being in Tartan Army time. And it was, uh, it was when I went out to um, the World Cup in 1990 when um, we went down to Genoa. That's another story. That's, I'll keep that one. It's a good story. It's, uh... No, no, I'll tell you. I don't... Yeah, minor. Right. So, I don't know if I've done this one before, but it's, uh, because I was the singer and I was in charge, it was because I was a solo artist. I could never have done it in Marillion. Guys, uh, Scotland's playing in Genoa. Do you think we could wheel a tour down there? Right? Nah, I don't think we'll do that. <laughs> so it's like, can we please... Uh, I spoke to my agent, I said... Scotland's playing in Italy in the World Cup. Can we do some gigs down there, please, so we can go to the games? That was what it was about, really seriously. Can you get some gigs? And, um, and we had a... Uh, um, <laughs> we had to... We were on this tour, and it was losing money. And in the middle of the tour, we got offered this this gig. I think it was it was a festival in, in uh, East, East Berlin or something, right? And we ended up staying in this... Uh, well, we should have been down in Genoa for the Sweden game. We were, Scotland were playing Sweden, right? And, and uh, it was, 
I think we, I missed the first game, and then we had Sweden, and then there was Brazil. Was the next guys? Oh, Scotland, Brazil. It's always us, right? And we were supposed to be there for the for the Swedish match. And John Cavanagh, my manager, was a brilliant guy. Right? He also Scottish, right? And he, it was a real dilemma because it was like the tour was losing money. <laughs> we had to like where they could find some dosh, right? And then we got offered this festival for, for stupid money, and he said, we have to do it. We have to do this, right? And uh, it was, um, oh, yeah. And we stayed in this hotel in East Berlin, right? And it was like, it was an old kind of Austria hotel, right? And it was like, a, it, it was like being on the inside of a wedding cake. All the rooms were kind of like, you know, went off. There was this massive kind of central thing, right? And... Um, we managed to 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 get a TV set in a, in one of the vestib upper vestibules or whatever it's called, right? And we all sat and watched the game. We got really pissed and watched the, the Scotland Sweden game, and we 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 won, right? And it was incredible, and it was uh, and I was absolutely steaming, and I accidentally headbutted Andy Field. <laughs> He's, he was he was kind of like you know broomy looking Andy Field. And he started taking the mickey out of me, and I went, I went, ah, cheek. And I hit him, I was so pissed. I was like, I was like, bang, Andy, ah, my mate, fuck. <laughs> We've all done it, right? And, um, and so anyway, we went to get a plane the next day, and we, we, we flew down to, to, to Genoa. And, um, and uh, we arrived. I remember I had an argument with this guy on the plane, right? And he was getting all cocky with me. Basically, he kept putting his seat back on this wee plane that was flying at Genoa. He's kept up putting the seat back and I go, mate, wait, just don't, right? Just don't do that. Donnie no do that. <laughs> just Donnie no. <laughs> and he was getting like really aggressive towards me and it was like, you know, well, fair enough. And it's like, you know, uh, right? And um, we we kind of, we, we got off the plane and it was kind of my walk off the plane down the steps and walk across the terminal and as we walked across, there was all these journalists coming at me, right? And it was, uh, and this guy's like going like macho man, right? And then suddenly it was like, they realized there was about 20, 30 guys that went, fish, fish, fish. And he suddenly realized that like, I'm outnumbered. And like, who is this guy that I've just been pissed off? And I remember walking by and I said, I said, I said, what was by this cop? I says, I think that guy's got cocaine on him. It's a copper. <laughs> Get it up, yeah. <laughs> So, don't know, I just walked away. Well, anyway, we went into Genoa. Right? This is true. We were in Genoa and we went in this hotel, which was, it was the, the, not the Astor, it was, it had one of those really old London names, the Ritz or Carlton or something like that. And, uh, and um, it wasn't like a big five-star hotel, but it was good and there was, there was referees, FIFA referees were staying at it, right? I'm sure I've done this one before. And um, what happened was, when I checked in the reception, the guy says, you know, um, uh, there's a guy here that was at school with you, right? And I'm going, yeah. And like, when I was at school, there must have been 6,000 punters in my classroom, right? The number of people that were at school with me, right? I must have been at the biggest school in the world, in the biggest classrooms, because everybody was at school with me, right? And um, I'm going, aye, right, okay. Anyway, we, we went off. And long story short, we went up and, and got very tanned with Jay Crawford and some of the guys for Radio Forth and some of the Tartan Army guys that we met and stuff, right? And came back to the hotel, right? And uh, there was these two guys standing there, right? And um, they were surrounded by coppers, right? And I'm going like, if I was, and they, they were 
they were tartan scarves on. I'm going, what? And I walked up and I'm going, I recognise that guy. And it was Jock Campbell, right? And Jock Campbell, right, I was, was one of my best friends and still is a very, very dear friend of mine. He lives in Leeds now or, or was living in Leeds. And, uh, <laughs> and um, it was Jock Campbell. Like, you know, one of my best mates for Dockey High School, right? And I'm going, Jock, what are you doing here? Oh, you know, Derek, how are you doing? <laughs> and he was there with his mate. He was a big, kind of, you know, rumbustious, tumbly, kind of like, oh, I think I've drunk too much today. And we got talking to him. What had happened was in, in Genoa, there's all these kind of tunnels and things. Genoa exists on loads of different levels. And they'd been going through the tunnels in Genoa, right? And he'd be rolled by these kids. And basically a bunch of seven-year-olds or something had got them and, like, and basically pushed them up, pushed this big fat guy up against the wall like, and went through his pockets and then took his money and his wallet and everything. Like, just pushed them against the wall. Get, get his money, get his money now. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just hilarious. And I said to Jock, I said, you know, how did, the Savoy, the Savoy Hotel. I said, how did you end up here? And this is, I swear this is true. <laughs> He won a competition on a Mars bar wrapper. <laughs> Seriously, he won a competition on a Mars bar wrapper wrapper to come down to go to go to one of the, the, the Scotland games in, in Italy, right? And uh, so it was a great night. That was Genoa. And that was why the, the reference in, in Lucky was, you know, behind the drums in Genoa, because I remember going through the town with all the, 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 the army guys with the drums. It was fantastic. The kilts and the feathers. And it was like, that's another story. That's a Ringgold story. So... <laughs> what are your speakers? USB and W acoustic energy and monitor audio through my three systems. Jace Wood, these are Kefs. There are I think there are thousands, Kef thousands or eleven hundreds, I can't actually remember, but they're brilliant. I love them. And um we have some great nights here when the rain's not battering on the roof. Well, when the rain is battering on the roof and you put on something that's kinda like a Floyd album, it's like having a five to one mix by Avril McIntosh and Andy Bradfield. Playing in your very room with the rain. Yes, so it is. Well. <laughs> David Downey, was that dazzling dildos? No. <laughs> I, I miss the cards thing. Uh, Clark McSafety. You were lucky to get to go to Italy. We had the ferry book, but Sparky wrote off the two CV while borrowing a picnic table two weeks before we were due to depart. <laughs> Sparky wrote off the two CV while borrowing a picnic table. Uh. John Watson, the last match was against Sweden. No, the last match was against Brazil. We had to win. It's the old Scottish thing, right? We had to beat Brazil to get through, and we didn't. And it pissed down the rain that time. Right. Maybe talk us through your hi-fi separates, please, Fish. No, Jay, I'm not doing that now. Right. Mr. Jimbo, how do you sort live vocals to keep it close to your range? Ian Anderson just can't these days, so he's pre-recorded video feeds of other singers. What are your thoughts on this? It's tough, you know, I mean, let's be real, right? I'm 62, you alright, babe? Yeah. I'm 62 years old now, right? I was a fan of, I was a fan of the Benson and the Hedges for a long time. 
And, um, and you know, I was a naughty boy. You know, I, I, I was not an opera singer. I mean, I was Satan right, when it came to... I, I, didn't, I, I didn't look after my voice. I was rock and roll singer. You know, I, I, I wasn't kind of precious. And maybe if I had been, things might have been different, but fuck it. I would rather have taken the experiences than, you know, being, you know, sitting in a steam room for like, you know, 23 hours a day to be brought out to sing on a stage. No, I didn't like, I said before, I mean, I, w I went to see a specialist, you know, and who was an opera, uh, an, an opera aficionado. And th that's what he taught opera singers. And I went in and he said, you know, well, what do you do? And I went, you, you, do you do this? Said, yeah, I do that, I do that, I take this and I do this and I drink that. How often do you sing a night? He got, I went, an hour and 45 minutes. He went, what? <laughs> See, all the people I work with, they only sing for 10 minutes maximum. <laughs> and I was, that was the thing. It was like, you know, I rattled it. And, you know, and then I had the vocal operation in 2008 and I had the vocal operation in 2009. I had the cyst removed on, on my cord and things. Yeah, it's, it's, this voice has been through some shit. And I can still shout. And, and I mean, I can still put the fear of God in people. Where, like, if I actually go full bellow, right... I used to frighten the shit out of my daughter. <laughs> I still do sometimes. <laughs> she actually says, she said just a couple of weeks ago, because I'd had a, a, a bit of an altercation with somebody, not an altercation, but I'd had, and I'd harsh words and I'd raised my voice. And my daughter said, Dad, you've got no idea how loud your voice is. And even Simona goes, you know, maybe it's because I'm partially deaf as well. Maybe <laughs> 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 it's... It was a, you know, because I'm deaf, it's like I talk louder. In fact, you know, I, I do add a few dBs on, but I've got a very big voice. Right? A very, very, my talking voice is loud. And sometimes my wife gets freaked out and she starts going, stop shouting at me. I said, I'm not shouting. <laughs> I'm not shouting. But my voice is bigger than Tara. If you can imagine the cartoon of, like, you know, like a small child cowering in the corner next to a fridge and a huge polar bear going, rah. That was kind of, I think, what my daughter, how my daughter saw me for a number of years, right? So. John Goodman, do you ever play Shinty? Are you mad? <laughs> Shinty's a game for insane people. Let's run about with huge... It's, no, it's like huge, big sticks and a wee ball. Right, everybody's running about with no... I tell you, Americans, I, I don't know if there's any Americans out there, try and check out Shinny and then watch American football, right? <laughs> and tell me you're hard. <laughs> Shinny's just nuts. It's just, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> Simon Lawrence, hello from Bogner, hello. Sergio Gattasbara, would you play a U2 cover? No. John, I like the band, the early band, but not now. John Cristo, Ray Rooks, Bob Walco, Tim Sycamore, John Germanotta. Did you see the Celtics score in Milan? Yeah, it was like, was it 4-1 or something? Yeah, Neil Lennon, the ex-Hibs manager. Bit of a pickle he's in at the moment. Yeah. We've got Motherwell tomorrow. Yeah, it's, just, it's been great. It's, uh, I'm actually enjoying... I've seen more Hibs games this, this season than I've ever seen before in my life because of the lockdown and because of... All the clubs have been clever, and that you know they're offering these live streams. So tomorrow, I'm paying Motherwell Football Club twelve pound fifty to watch the Hibs Motherwell match at three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Frank Festival East Berlin, the Weissensee. Yeah, that was it. I've got to spin this down because I'm 
Can you remember Lorelei? Of course I can remember Lorelei. Uh, John Watson, apologies, fish re Sweden match. Doubt I was drinking too much in the pub back here in Scotland. Uh, yeah, it was great. Sean Macho, you're falling apart, big man. Nah. Actually, this was another thing, because it's. Uh, you probably noticed that, like, when I've been through in the control room, sitting down, and, and when I've got to get up, I mean, my spine's like, it hurts, right? It, it hurts. Right? And my hamstrings get really tight. And if I'm working in the garden, which I've not been for the last two, three days, I've, I've still not planted the onions, and I've still got shitloads of tulips and daffodils to go in. And, you know, and unless, you know, I get a snowplow, well, nah, that's exaggerating. It's very cold and there's snow on the ground and it ain't a good time to plant onions. So, but I've still got to plant all these damn things. These are all my, my, my I should have put them in the autumn to go through and I don't know whether I'm too late now. I think I might be, right? But I'll stick them in the ground anyway and keep my fingers crossed. But, um, but yeah, so when I go in the garden, I do like three, four hours in the garden, I'm in agony. My body is just solid, right? Absolutely solid. And... I was explaining to, to my kind of physio the other day. It's like, I said, it actually feels like my body's in two halves. Like, you know, there's the top half and then there's the bottom half. And the bottom half's trying to keep my top half upright. Because I've got terrible, I've got a terrible sense of balance because of the brain sending messages down to my knees to stabilise and things like that. And it's, um, and it's awful. But I went to see um, a young lady just down the road who's got a clinic and she's been doing fascia treatment and I had my first fascia treatment session and it was incredible and it really helped me out and I've got a massage on Sunday and I said, and if it works, they said the wife down there, so she's desperate to get a massage and I don't want anybody posting anything else on this little timeline. She's with a professional massage, a sports massage and she's going to get one next week. And uh, so I'm the guinea pig, so... So, but I'm getting this fascia treatment and it seems to be, it, it seems to be doing the trick. And, uh, so that was another thing. But the thing with the fascia treatment, which I've never heard of before, right? And I was a, I was a bit skeptical, you know, I'll always kind of, let's just see how this goes and all the rest of it. And she said like, you know, if, when I do this, you're gonna, it can unleash emotions and all sorts of stuff. It can, it, it's got a lot of very powerful effects, a bit like acupuncture and things. Fucking right it did. And it was a. Uh, I came back that after the session, and I could really feel relaxed to the point of like I'm going to fall asleep on the couch. And uh, and the next day it was incredible. But I, I did have a couple of bubbles that came out, just the release of tension. So I'm going to be, you know, following that up. But yeah, with massage on Sunday, Mother Bowl tomorrow. At Firhill, right, and then um, Firhill, and um, and then the message on the Sunday. But I to, again, that's what I had to get done because it's just been so awful. I missed that one. Shouldn't illegalise something or other. Spin it down. I'm going to miss a lot of people. Uh, Bob Falk, do you grow any hot peppers? Ha! <laughs> yes, I grow hot peppers.
And Simona dries them. You like hot peppers, don't you? Hot peppers, yes. <laughs> Simona's in the sidelines at the moment. It's, yeah, 25 to. I know, I Yeah. Do you want to do the thing? We'll go early with this one tonight. So, Simona. <laughs> What's for dinner tonight, love? Yes, yes, yes. Come here, come here. <coughs> Sit with my beer. <laughs> with my two bears. Uh. What's for tea tonight? Something very quick. Um, tagliatelle and salmon. Tagliatelle and salmon? Yeah. And how, how are we doing the salmon tonight? Cream sauce. Cream sauce? Yeah, or yeah. do you want it differently? No, cream sauce is lovely. That's easy. Brilliant. Okay. Nice and easy and quick, which means that like, oh, after we can get into it. What was that film you watched the other night? What was it called? You remember? Ah, the moment. Oh, no. Now I have a blank, blank yeah, I've got because a... you're all listening. <laughs> yeah, I have a blank as well. What's the name of the, of the actor? Then <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, it's, a, will... <laughs> it's one of the worst things. Seeing a tour bus, one of the worst things that happens is like you'll be sitting there about two o'clock in the morning, half two, and somebody will go, blah, 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 you know, so, so. It was in the Magnificent Seven, right? And then you spend the next five hours trying to remember the names of everybody that was in the Magnificent Seven. And on the way to finding all the names of all the actors in the Magnificent Seven, you start branching off in other movies going, oh, yeah, he was in that movie. Who was in that one again? And you just go through this rambling maze of actors. Okay, but this is a famous actor. It's a very famous actor. <laughs> He's Australian, and he was... Cap he was... Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe! Yeah. yeah. We watched this movie last night. We... Picked up my accent, and it was a. Uh, oh. Russell Crowe plays this guy, complete nutter. Right. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll have you back in a minute. Right. Plays this, this 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 guy, and he's a complete nutter, and it's it's about road rage. It, it's um. It's, it starts off in one way, and it becomes a road rage incident that goes horrifically wrong. It reminded me a bit of uh, Cape Fear. Not the original one was what Robert Mitchum, I think, and then there was the the De Niro, the the, the remake of Cape Fear. But it had that kind of tension and kind of like you know real uneasiness in it. And it was, um, and it's, it's basically gets involved. Russell Crowe's character gets involved with a, 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 a road rage incident with this woman and uh, her son, and it just escalates. It just escalates. And there was a lot of times when I was when I was watching it, I was going like um, plot holes and like da -da. and they they plugged so many plot pop plot holes. It's the teeth. So many plot holes. They filled a lot of the plot really well, very cleverly, you know. And it was a great film, but very creepy, very creepy. And somebody's going to come up and tell me. App Jackson, instant noodles. Why do they take five minutes? <laughs> Russell Crowe movie, Road Rage Incident, and it's it's a new one that's just come out. If you, if we watched it on, we had to buy it, and we bought it on Prime or something. But it's it's creepy film. Doug mm -hmm. oh. oh. Patterson watched the Queen's Gambit 
watch the Queen's Gambit. We <laughs> and we loved it. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was great. That was, I mean, in all honesty, I'd seen it advertised, and it was like young girl orphanage learns how to play chess, blah blah blah, and I went, nah, don't really fancy that. Sounds a wee bit, you know, cheesy fourth. Amazing. What a great piece of writing that was. And um, we were blown away by it. And we watched, we watched it over about, what, three nights? Mm -hmm. We've, yeah, I mean, we just completely binged on it. So if you've not seen The Queen's Gambit, it's just such a special film. Very clever. Glam uh, Dave. It was that bloke who was in the other thing, exactly. You know that bloke? You know he was in, you know, I remember. Yeah, you know that one. Uh Rob also said, no, it wasn't Beautiful Mind. Beautiful Mind is not about a road rage incident. <laughs> uh, unhinged. That was yeah. it, unhinged. Well done, Jacqueline Crichton. You've won the prize tonight. Jacqueline Crichton, unhinged, yeah. Cameron Brown, unhinged. Yeah, yeah, we're all got, oh, yeah, we've all got unhinged. Unhinged. I'm not going to give any spoilers on Unhinged. That's all you know. It's road rage and it's a, it's a wife and the son and blah, blah, blah. But it's very Kate Feely. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, we've all got Unhinged now. Warrior. The other day with Tom Hardy. Warrior with Tom Hardy. That's another great film. Yeah. Beautiful mind. Susan Conn. Ah, ah. Jay Eastwood, don't mess with Volvo drivers. <laughs> yeah. Unhinged, 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 unhinged. Uh, teeth are erding her way. No, it's the teeth. The teeth are working with her. That's a very different teeth than what I had when I was born with. So, yeah. Dentists. Remember dentists? Uh. Roger Morgan Joe, that was a good film. Who is the guy that played? Who was the main guy in that? There's a question for you. Who was the main actor that drove the car in Joe? And who drove the truck? <laughs> who needs to remember <laughs> the Magnificent Seven when you can't even remember the famous five? Uh. Spy with Sasha Cohen, Esther Pujol Rodriguez. I started watching that. We started watching Spy. And I've got kind of... And I wasn't even that keen on, on Sasha Van Cohen. But, um, and I watched a bit of it, but someone I was didn't really catch on that one. That was the Israeli spy one. We kind of lost it, but I might return to it. What I've been, what I've been kind of like watching when, when someone is, when I get time and someone is cooking, because she's not that keen on it, but I mean, I love indulging in a, in a bit of history and a bit of, and I love historical documentaries. And I have been watching uh, the, the American Civil War one, Ken, Ken Burns. The Americans are such an eye opener. It's just so incredible. And it's, I've learned so much about that period in, in, in America from that Ken Burns thing. The American Public Broadcasting Service has is, is got some fantastic documentaries on. And um, I, I subscribe to it because, you know, I, I, I'm a sucker for good films, good documentaries and things. And, and I love learning about... Um, uh, I like finding out about areas of history that, you know, you kind of... You've got an inkling off, but you've you, you've never really gone into before. I know, no. Like now, what time is it? It's twenty eight. Has he considered yet? Don't think so. <laughs> it's great. It's fish on Friday. 
Last longer than Trump's presidency. Oh, no, 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 no. So he's by the Volvo back, yeah? I don't know, I've got to go down this, this timeline here. Susan Niblock, you're a start. Not well at the moment. I hope you get better soon, darling, you know? Oh, shit! I've got a lot of stuff to do. Um... Uh, no, that's a that's that's a that's a miss. That's one of yours, darling. It's a missing order. <laughs> yeah. And somebody would like to say the deluxe has not arrived yet. You ordered it on Tuesday. Uh, oh, these are all yours. No wonder I couldn't find the lyrics to Lucky Lucky. You probably sent the lyrics to. Oh yeah, Gerard Sen, right? It's uh, when you were touring, John Beck broke his arm. There was a fear he would not be able to play anymore. Did he recover and is he playing again? Yes, he did recover and he is playing again. And I've not spoken to John Beck for ages and I miss him because I love him. He's a beautiful guy and a really nice guy. And that night was just fucking horrific. There was, um, that was on, on that tour. I'd, I'd gone through my, you know, the obligatory kind of um, infection. And I was, I was, I just getting over it. And we were coming into the three, the three big Dutch shows, and we were in uh, oh, Groningen. And um, I'd gone to bed. I'd, I'd, I'd gone to bed and left everybody kind of downstairs because I had the three, the three shows to do, and I was like kind of taking care of myself a little bit, and I didn't want to kind of go nuts before this run of three Dutch shows. And I went to bed, and Tara phoned me up and said. Uh, I think we've got a problem here. And uh, I said, John's fallen over outside. And he'd gone outside and there was a, ironically, <laughs> there was like a disabled ramp at the, 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 the front of the hotel. And the, 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 the sides, it wasn't kind of sloped down at the sides, it was kind of like a straightforward ramp. And John had gone outside for whatever reason and was coming back in and missed and came up the side of the table ramp, tripped, fell over, He's got no idea what happened, and like he, he clattered himself. And I came down, and John was standing there, and he goes, "Oh, well, I'll be all right. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. I'll, you know, like, you know, I'll be, I'll be fine in the morning. You know, got a bit of a shock, right? And we're going, going, is everybody okay? Right? Kind of beds, everybody, right? And I woke up. I got woken up at seven o'clock in the morning, and it's like John's on his way to hospital with suspected broken arm, and I'm going, what the, <laughs> right? And yeah, and that's what it was. It came back, and it was like he had a he had a broken arm, and it wasn't just broken. He'd, he'd really whacked it and like broken it in a couple of bits, and it was an it were nasty breaks. You know, they were in the wrong places. You know, and uh, he'd, he'd basically gone down, and I think put his hand out to stop himself and gone over on it. And we were worried at the time because, as was pointed out, I mean, I you know we thought that that John might you know he, it was his right hand. And uh, and it was really sad. I mean, we, we he got his arm fixed up, and it was all in the sling. We went back through Dover, and, and we dropped him off, you know, so he could get back to to Redden. And uh, and it was, you know, and then Tony Terrell, who was an absolute genius, um, and Tony stepped in and, and saved the UK tour. And we had to re replicate all those gigs, and uh, we had to go back and play all the Dutch gigs in 2016, which. You know, in the end, it probably w worked out better for us. I got a, an extra break, you know, to 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 recover. I mean, I spent what was it, f 
four days, five days, four days in Bristol in a hotel, in a travel lodge. There's a sentence. <laughs> oh, the glamour. I really miss it. Oh. But John's fine. I'm not talking... I can't even remember the last time I talked with John. It was, it was definitely before the, the, the COVID break, but I mean, now. But he's a lovely guy, and he's such a talented player. You know? Yeah. John Yuri, don't I? Oh, we're all in movies here. Dennis Weaver. Yeah, Jewel. Yes. Spielberg's first film, I think it was, actually. Jewel was Spielberg's first. Like I said, I just finished the, um, I said last week, I finished the um, Oliver Stone book, Chasing the Light. It's great. If you, it's a really fascinating book. Beer Bellini, Douglas Fergus, Jill, Steven Spielberg's first film. Thank you. Sabina Brignall, do you have German food on Christmas Eve? We have potato salad with wurst. Mm, let's not turn. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Don't upset everybody. No, I love. Nah. <laughs> he came out of his room. What are we having on Christmas? No, we have turkey and all things turkey. But in Germany, we we had a lot. I did no. The last years in Germany, when I was married, with my kids, we did the Polish Christmas. We had carp and things. Um, but my mum. Weirdly enough, she does potato salad and Würstchen at Christmas. No. Which I don't understand, yeah. How the hell? I you, don't know. Potato salad and sausages. Yeah. For me, that's not, it's not romantic. It's not, it's not Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what have we got? We've got turkey. We've got, yeah, turkey. And you name all the other things. Yeah. I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Turkey. The, the, Christmas Day is definitely a day that, you know, I get in there and I deal with the bird. I deal with the bird right enough. And, uh, yeah, I'm the turkey guy. And uh, so I cook the turkey and do the bits. But we, we work together. It's, um, we all come together in, in, the, in the kitchen. And uh, this Christmas is just me, my mum, someone at me, and Liam. That's it. And uh, we got a turkey and we got the sage and onion stuffing and all the rest of it. And, and I've got a goose. I've got a little goose as well because it's my tip of the hat. And we've got the red cabbage outside, and we've got the... Kludel? Kludel? Kludel. Which is kind of like, you know, um, flour, potato, potato dumplings, dumpling things. Yeah. They're like German dumplings that you kind of... Uh, what are they made out of? Potatoes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're yes. really cool. That and red cabbage and stuff. Great. But a turkey is like, we do absolute traditional kind of Christmas. But you'll find all about it, because you'll be with us on Christmas Day, maybe. I'll be there, you might not be. It's like, and if, you, if I'm even coherent at six o'clock at night, then you're going to be in for a laugh. Fee <laughs> um, Hill, listening from the air. Ah, oh, lost it. Golly. Ackley. Ackley. Ugh. Afterlife on Netflix is brilliant with Ricky Gervais. I'm not a big Ricky Gervais fan. I'm not really that keen on him, to be honest. It's like, I don't know. I, I can understand why people get into him, but he doesn't really touch me. And um, 
Yes. David Robinson looking for a good series, The Wire. Somebody's suggesting The Wire, darling. The Wire? The Wire. We binged on that. We, we've only got one more series to watch. We actually over OD'd on it. Absolutely OD'd. It was like Chinese food. It was like we just went mental on it. Love it. It's great. Great. Pete Painter saw John playing in a pub in Redden. Yes, probably. Liam has banished his room. Yes. He doesn't like coming out when I'm doing this. Yeah. Ricardo Marchese Fugazi Sheffield Goodnigd. <laughs> Daniel Pelner David Wilkinson, if you share it with the one you love, potato and Russian salad is totally romantic. So that's what you're going to tell your wife at Christmas, are you? It's potato salad and sausages. It's just, it's romantic. <coughs> Get a turkey and do the business. Korach Gerd Pidgon, I want to eat a pigeon. That's good. <laughs> was it Christmas or was it just a, a random thing like Ozzy Osbourne? <laughs> Nicky Marsh, why are you having fish for Christmas? <clears throat> because the boat's suddenly going out and it's like you're not going to get fresh fish like sea fish and I'm, I'm, I'm not really a carp kind of guy, you know, and I know, you know, because Simona's... Um, Simona's first husband was Polish and, you know, they did, you know, our kids are obviously like all kind of Polish, so they did a big Polish kind of um, Christmas. But, you know, I'd, I'd, carp, I like carp, but not at Christmas. That's not for me. That's a very, that's a totally strange. That'd be like having Brady's, which somebody asked me, but yes, I have had Brady's. I love Brady's. Do you want to know what Brady's are? Ask somebody on the line. Greg Haler, all pitch for fish on Friday, Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> it can get quite messy, actually. Because, I mean, I normally aim to try and do... We normally try and do dinner for about kind of three, four o'clock-ish, right? And after that, it's like blob. It's like, you know, it's just carbo coma. After that, you know, like... <gasps> uh -huh. Oh, go away, wait. Where are we? We're ten two. Right. What have I got to do? Oh, yeah. I've got these things. I forgot. I've got two wraps up and... Steve Jones, any sign of that licence from me? Am I yet, big man? Nope. Uh, Andy Lee, I hope you're feeling better. I know you'll be watching again. So, Andy, big call out for you. Um, do, 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 do. And a bunch of... Oh, there they are. They're in the other pit. They're under this thing. Wilco... Wilco Lathowers. I know Wilco. Lathowers is... Wilco. This is to wish Wilco and his new wife, Suzanne. They got married last week. This is wishing you a wonderful, beautiful life together. And I hope you had a great day. Right. But, um Wilco, I've known for years and years and years, right? 
says, uh, he loves Welshmans. Furthermore, deep bow to your lovely wife, Simona, your mum, Isa, and Liam, and the cabin mice, and Rab, of course. Brilliant. Uh, on Friday, the 27th of November, 11 o'clock, I'm finally getting married to my German fiancée, Suzanne. Originally, we wanted to get married the 20th of October, for loads of reasons, corona, blah, 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 and documents, yes, we know about those things. Yeah. <coughs> oh, no, I had to cancel the whole thing due to coronavirus, but you're married now. So, Suzanne and Wilco, a big, big, sincere and hearty congratulations from the two of us, right? You know, brilliant, man. I'm, I hope you're happy, because I know you went through a lot of stuff, right? Uh I've got Tim, Tim from Merchandise, oh, blah, 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 blah. Elliot Alderman, right? Elliot Alderman, you asked me to say hello to somebody and send me an email, but you didn't say who it was. <laughs> you mentioned your name. So, Tim Alderman, please send me the names of your people and I will say hello to them next week. Right. Uh, uh, so, John Newman, uh, Chris Holwell. She and her husband, Robert, ran a record shop back in the day, yes. <coughs> you made a few personal appearances for them, yes. The record store was called Strawberry Fields, and I remember it well. It's a birthday on Sunday. I think it's her 72nd, how dare you say that, you know. And it's a first since Robert passed away. They went on the first date on her 20th birthday. And he only asked her out because she was the first girl he met that liked Johnny Cash. What an old romantic, eh? You'll definitely be doing potato, potato salad and roast at Christmas, right? So, yeah. Chris, love you loads. Remember your fond memories. And I hope you're keeping well, man. And, and that's it. Cannon Briggs, do you hang up stockings for each other fish? That's a bit personal. <laughs> Oh, uh, go away. Right. Oh, I've got to change the bloody thing. Get back, bear. Get thee away from me. I've got to change it. Hey, God. Fish in the lemon tree. Please let me introduce myself. I'm simply a man on a time. Confused and bewildered, I seem to live without reason.
He said, uh, "Yes, that was a nasty download. That did it's from Steve. Um, that was uh, Velchmetz from uh, Fish at the Lemon Tree, Fish in the Lemon Tree, and um, you can hear it all. You, you know how to do it. You've, you, everybody that's on here knows where it is. <laughs> it's a SoundCloud. It's a YouTube. Listen, there's no kind of if you want to donate, donate. There's no pressure. I understand completely. There's people that kind of got." you know, better things, you know, to do, uh, you know, what they have, right? It's yours, it's theirs, it's free. If you want to make a donation, it's great. As I said, I'm taking nothing from these donations. It all goes to the band, it all goes to the crew. Like, Yatta is getting a, a, a touch off this as well, just to, like, help people out, you know? That's what it's all about. It's, uh, Can I quickly say something? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you're 
Can you quickly see something? No. Yeah. Very quickly. Me misses. I only want to apologize. I didn't want to be disrespectful about the, regarding the Christmas dinner. Oh. I love potato salad and was. Don't be too sensitive. They'll be fine. There's people talking about already. Don't worry about the Some, kettle, don't worry about the kartoffel salad in the burst. No, because not everybody can afford a turkey yeah, yeah. like we do. So true. Very true. Yeah. That's why. Very true. Very well said. Very well said. No. Yeah, it's weeks away. No, it's weeks away. And um, and here we are, the end of another fishing Friday, um, crawling towards the end of this year. Thank God. Um, it's great news about the vaccine. It's wonderful. Um, I have to completely suppress all my cynicism. I have to suppress you know, um, scepticism, it's great. It's, um, I want to see it happen. I want to see people safe again, especially, you know, older generations, you know. It's, um, all I'm saying, right, is that yes, there's a vaccine on its way, but, that doesn't mean it's over. This is kind of it's, it's, it's kind of a dangerous period because we are coming up to Christmas, and you know, um, you know, we've been looking at it with, with Mona and Tara, you know, Simona's daughters, and her mum and, and and dad as well, you know, and you know, we were going like, yeah, maybe they can come across for Christmas, we can get tested, and all the rest of it, and um, you know, we're realising. Ain't gonna happen. Just because there's a vaccine on its way doesn't mean that you basically take your defences down and you know and stand down. It's uh, you got to keep it together. Uh, seriously, you have to keep it together. It's like yes, there's a vaccine, but if you catch something in between now and when you do get a vaccine, it will still do exactly what it did to you yesterday and the day before, and the day before that. Uh, and the figures in America are just horrific. I mean, they're just horrific. I saw projections today and, you know, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. And all I'm saying is like, yes, there's a vaccine away. It's positive, it's positive. But you still have to keep a mask on. You still have to follow the rules and follow the guidance. And, you know, and remember, it's like you're looking after other people as much as they're looking after you. It's like this is where the community thing comes in. This is where looking after and being used, employing just genuine common sense, you know. And uh, and it's important, you know. I mean, it's good news, but as I said, we have to like keep. There's got to be a vigilance. You've got to keep your guard up, and. Um, that's all I'm asking you to do. It's, um, it's getting better. I'm looking forward to getting out this year, as I'm sure you are. And But, you know, when it ticks by and it goes chink in the 21, it's only a click of a counter, right? And we still have to deal with the same stuff. And all I ask is just watch after yourself, take care of yourself and follow the rules. And, and I'll be back next week and hopefully you'll all be with me. Anybody that's listening tonight, that's in hospital, that's listening in hospital or watching in hospital. Um, you know, good luck thinking about you and just watch after. For everybody out there, just take care.
and stay alive. Okay? I'll see you, uh, or you'll see me next Friday. Okay? Okay. Till then. Bye.